Welcome back, Sinisters. Here's another episode of Sinister Stories to Tell in the Dark with Kaylin and Larissa. Hi. Um, do bear with us. I am recording from my garage this evening. Um, so if you hear any background noises, um, just try to let that slide this time. Um, we are new into this, so any mispronunciations, bear with us. We will get into our own groove of things and get all of that figured out. With this episode, we're going to be talking about the Belair House. Um, I did a lot of research on this one, and I'm quite excited for this. Um, it is a popular one, so a lot of people may have heard about this property, and it is going to be added to our list to go visit. Um, it's located in Ohio, and yeah, let's get into it. All right, the property is located near the bank of the Ohio River. It is believed these lands were the... It is believed these lands are where the French and Indian Wars took place from 1754 to 1763. The Native Americans had burial caves that would hold their deceased leaders, healers, and witch doctors. The lands would also be used to practice magic and hold ceremonies. The massacres by the hand of the French were so large that the residual energy of the slaughter still seeps into the soil today. So right off the bat, these lands have seen a lot of death. A lot of negative energy that will automatically yes. set it up to be haunted. It was like a beacon in the night for all the de- demonic and dark entities. Yes. The lands were bought by Jacob Hetherington in the 1800s. Jacob owned all of the coal mines in the Ohio Valley. Jacob married a woman named Eliza Armstrong. There's a story that one night Eliza witnessed a falling star. She walked to the neighbor's farm owned by the Davis family to see if they had also witnessed the falling star. Mrs. Davis advised Eliza to pray as it was a bad omen to witness a falling star. Eliza then walked towards where she thought the star had fallen and that is where she met Jacob. By this time, Jacob had bought 61 and a half acres of land from Paxton and Wheeling and another 14 and a half acres of land from Captain Fink. These lands would be where he built his coal mining business and known as the coal mining tycoon of the area. In 1847, Jacob built the Bel Air House. The Native American burial caves were located behind the property while the river laid in front of the property. Psychics believe that the water is a portal because it's always moving and the magnetic pole of the water creates a powerhouse of energy from which spirits can cut through earthbound gravity. Some say there is a portal directly below the Belair house. So, (laughs) just like the setup in a horror movie, it has all the big things. Indicators. Indicators, yes, that's the word I was looking for, sorry. No worries. In 1893, it was reported that the Hetherington's coal mines were to be abandoned after a coal mine number one exploded, killing 42 men. It is said that the operator spent $8,000 trying to put out the fires, but concluded no other efforts could be made. It took days to recover the bodies. Alex Hetherington, Jacob's son, took over what was left of the family business when Jacob passed away. But the business started to fail, and Alex was found incompetent. He would see and hear things and have seizure-like episodes and claim demons were trying to kill him. He was sent and locked up in an asylum. 
Okay, so for back in the day, $8,000 was a lot of money. He did not just leave his men for dead. He um, exhausted every means he had to try to rescue them, um, but it was to no avail. Unfortunately not. And another thing to know is that the Boleros is known to sit on top of the mine number one, which exploded. And like it is to believe there's a portal that's directly below the Belair house. So it gives you thought if that has anything to do with the explosion. And then poor, poor Alex was probably dealing with some demon trying to possess him and they just ship him off to some asylum. Yeah. I can't imagine dealing with those issues back then and them all pushing it under the rug and he's just left alone to face it himself. Right. And you don't hear much from Alex. After that, I didn't find anything else on him. So I'm pretty sure he was sent. Some mysterious way. Yeah. Yeah. So he was sent to the asylum and not really heard from again. All right. Um, The business and house was passed on to Alex's daughter, Lyde. But in 1947, Lyde passed away in the home from a heart attack. Lyde's brother, Edwin, would conduct seances to contact his sister. Some say his attempts opened a portal within the home. Edwin passed away in 1962 and the house would be passed owner to owner but nobody would stay long term due to the unexplained activity (laughs) cue the spooky music so literally every big thing that happened in this house just built upon each stepping stone for it to be even worse. Right. And like rule of thumb, don't conduct seances where there has been a long line of tragic deaths. I would just point that out. You're opening the door for anybody to walk through. Not your sister. Definitely not mislied. No. The house would sit vacant for years, but the neighbors would report seeing figures walking about the house and staring out the windows. In 2005, a woman named Kristen, who had just lost her home due to flash floods, bought the Belair house for only $46,000. Kristen was a forensic mental health professional and did not believe in the paranormal. They never do. They never do until they move into places like the Belair house. I know she doesn't believe, but every horror movie that is paranormal... Starts off with a house that you just couldn't pass up. Mm-hmm. Oh, she will find out. She Danny will find Kristen. out quite soon. Don't be a Kristen. Don't be a Kristen. Just kidding. She didn't know. You can't blame her. I guess. One night, Kristen was sleeping on her couch when she woke up to a man standing in her room. He walked away and vanished. She described him as seeing as being see-through and having a flat expression. She convinced herself she was just tired and overworked. Until one night, Kristen was laying in bed with her dog and everybody else was gone. She noticed a black mass and suddenly felt paralyzed. Her first thought was sleep paralysis, of course. 
The mass started moving towards her, and her dog was barking very viciously towards the black mass. She explained that her dog was lifted into the air and then thrown against the wall. At this point, Kristen knew it wasn't just her mind playing tricks anymore, and it was unsafe to live in that house. It's always the dang poor dog. Oh. They always get the brunt of all of it. Yeah. Well, they... It is said that dogs... You know, well, obviously it was a black mass, but they can see things that the human eye cannot. Um, and I'm getting the feeling it wasn't a very nice entity if it was throwing the dog against the wall. They can also sense energies too, so that doesn't help. Right. All right. Krista would try to rent out the house, but tenants would leave due to unexplained activity. She even tried selling to the village for one freaking dollar. One dollar! But was refused. Nobody would go near the house due to the stories of it being haunted. Krista now lives out of the house but sells tours to the paranormal investigators, hoping to get answers on who resides in her previous home. Do, do, do. Well, unfortunately for her, in demonic situations anything with dark entities you never really get answers no which kind of brings us to the last point of this story when i was doing the research on the house i read that there was a spirit of a little girl who many believe to be named emily but others believe emily is actually a demon who appears as an innocent child to trick people it is also believed a spirit of a boy resides in the attic who some, di- who some believe died by being pushed out of the attic window. Um, and it is a very common theme for demonic entities to appear as innocent, vulnerable children to be able to trick people. So if he was pushed out the window by a demonic force, or if it was truly an accident, no one will ever know. Nope. This story will give me nightmares, most likely. (laughs) Same. I already have goosebumps just sitting in my garage, listening to creepy sounds outside the house from the train. Yeah. This one (laughs) is definitely going to be on our list to visit. Obviously, Kristen still um, allows tours and night tours of the property. um, So that would be something very exciting to do. Does Kristen still own it? Yes. Um, selling Ooh. tours to the paranormal investigators is really the only way she can afford to live outside of the home. So currently she lives in an apartment and then sells tours to paranormal investigators or people who want to go through the house. I think it'd be fun to talk to her and just see like, you know, face to face and like, in general, just getting information from her and how it felt being in there. Um, If she's gone back in there to do any EVPs of her own or anything. I've actually watched um, a couple of, I did watch an interview with her um, from other uh, paranormal investigators. And I, I believe they were in the home as they were doing the interview, but she did seem very uneasy. Her body was pretty tense the whole time as she was kind of recalling her meetings with the paranormal activity in the house. Yeah, I don't blame her one bit. 
Well, that concludes our second episode. Um, thank you guys for tuning in again. We do have an Instagram page. Our username is Sinisters Podcast. Uh, there you will find updates for upcoming episodes, and we also have our email included there. Um, so feel free to contact us through email and let us know if there's any stories that you guys want to hear in the future. Yes, we also have a Facebook page. It is just Sinister Stories to Tell in the Dark. Um, I try to post some updates. Um, we will try to post pictures and put links in the descriptions for those um, of any specific building we've talked about, any people we can find, um, any background on the land, any of that stuff. So we'll post those through those as um, those social media pages as well. Um, give us ratings at our podcast wherever you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and if you would like to provide any feedback on how we can better our episodes feel free to do that too we're only a little bit sensitive just a little just a little bit but yeah that is all for now thank you guys so much and we hope that you continue to listen our episodes will get longer as we I know we keep promising that, but they will get longer as we go. Um, we're just kind of getting into the groove of things, like we said before. Um, so just bear with us, have some patience, and we will make this and, great. And get spooky. 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 All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.